Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole Palazzo, and I am so excited to get this episode to you guys. <laughs> this is a topic that I threw out on Instagram a couple weeks back. I said, you know what? I'm going to show you guys a little behind the scenes of my life. And I made a little video of my apartment because I live in this tiny apartment with a kitchen that is not really a kitchen. The Basically, the whole thing is moldy. The whole apartment's moldy because my neighbors across the hallway let 2,000 liters of water under our apartment building and now it's seeping up through the walls and there's a giant loud pump that pumps it all out. And yeah, I gotta live here still because I'm too broke to move. So I threw that out there and said, hey, I can't be the only one who's living this this broke expat life. And I heard a lot of awesome stories from you guys saying, hey, no, I've been in the same boat or I am in the same boat. There were so many good stories and I had it planned to share them on this episode. And then it turns out that Instagram story messages disappear along with the stories after a few days. So sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> anyone who really wants to share their stories should email us at the expat cast and we will make an appointment to have you come on the show. This is not some big scary thing, I promise. I seriously want this podcast to be a conversation amongst all of us where we all get to have our voices heard and our stories shared. So really don't hesitate to reach out. As it is, I brought on the resident expert in all things living cheap, my friend and frequent podcast guest, Jenny. She is truly the expert, especially on trash picking, effective trash picking in Germany. This is her specialty. <laughs> that, that'll that make more sense in the episode, I promise. <laughs> but uh, I did want to say, if you listen to this and you're like me and you think Jenny absolutely 100% should start an Instagram page where she shares all of her different finds from the street, definitely let us know because maybe with enough peer pressure we can make her finally do it. So yeah, I hope you guys have as much fun listening to this episode as we had making it. <laughs> My name's Jenny. I've been living in Freiburg, Germany for about two and a half years, and I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area originally. And now you officially have earned the title of most frequent guest frequent on the podcast. podcast guest. Uh-huh. Because my little mall, because I'm third time here. Good know. Okay. Yeah. So you talked to us about your first year living in Germany. You were on the language course visa, and then you came on and we talked about assimilation Oh, and versus yes. self-identity. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about being broke, which I feel like we are both very qualified. Or living cheap. Both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> they go hand in hand. <laughs> but, uh, yes, this is something I could talk endlessly about. You know what I remember? So we met through, we sort of like quasi met online through yes. this like Facebook group. But the first time we met up, I remember one of the things that I came home and told Gordon, I was like, I think I really like her. I think because we talked about money. Yes. Right off the bat. Our very first meeting. Yeah. And like detail, like the number of, of dollars that we possessed and things yes. like this, you know, and a lot of people don't go there and I do and a lot and then it's often not reciprocated, which is fine. But it was just like this nice feeling of, oh, hey, look, someone else also is blatant about this kind of stuff. Yes. <laughs> 
That's funny that you say that because I also went home and talked to my boyfriend and was like, oh my God, I finally met a friend that's like fine with that a day for us is going to be going and buying the cheapest bottle of wine and sitting at the park somewhere. Right. And like, we're going to have a great time and appreciate it. Yeah. And that's our day date, you know? So yeah, I had that same feeling because I'd met a lot of people who had come either with somebody that was already working and they transferred with a job or they'd been established here for a while and they themselves have been working for a long time. And so it's just, just, it's just a different level. It is. Yeah. And I, back then, I don't think I thought about this as much. Um, I just knew I was like broke and wanted to talk about it. Great. <laughs> but now that I've been like engaging with this online community of expats and learning more about this like virtual world uh where we're all finding each other I love it and I think it's great and I don't think that money is like any way a barrier or something but I am seeing a lot of people they clearly have money and they are living in a nice place and they are enjoying life and doing nice things and going on cool vacations and I think that's awesome and that is very far away from my reality. <laughs> and I think that's also sort of what my family and friends might think that my life, maybe they thought that's what it would be like. And maybe when they see pictures of things that I've done, they think that could be happening. But I'm like, no, no, I'm I'm more broke than I've ever been. <laughs> right. And, and this fairy tale castle building that I've just posted on my Instagram is actually just the bakery down the street because literally everything in Freiburg looks like that to yeah. Americans. Well, that's the thing too. Like everything is beautiful and going to visit an actual castle is often free unless you go inside, which to me, I'm like, I don't need to go in. The right. outside looks cool. It's right? just so a long walk <laughs> to the next castle ruins. And yes, it was free. Yeah. Also for me, there are a few things that I'm very, very proud of myself for in life. Two of them sort of became irrelevant when I moved here. They were, I did college in three years. In the States, it's usually four years, except a lot of people take five or six. I did it in three. I feel good about that. I paid for grad school independently. So I saved up a bunch of money and then specifically and aggressively sought out jobs that would cover my tuition and then lived off of my savings. And I drained my savings through that and I had nothing after. But I did it and I didn't go in debt. And I was so proud about that. Coming here, they don't know how long my university was supposed to take because people here are like students till they're 30. Mm -hmm. And then they don't pay for school. So the fact that I paid it off, it's not relevant. Right. And I'm now in a position where I'm like, I feel really good about the fact that I have made the expat life work for me and moving abroad work for me on such little money. And I feel really proud that I've done that and I've still lived a life that I enjoy and I've gotten rid of any pretensions I have about money being all that important. Like, obviously, that's important to an extent, right? But that whole experience has been really important to me, and I feel really good about it. And in many ways, part of my identity right now, a lot of my greatest accomplishments over the last year are like, I managed to do all these things and not spend much money. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to not be able to talk about that. And I don't want to be putting it out there like, oh, I'm so poor, pity me, or some false sense of like poverty that's not real. Like I'm not nearly homeless. I I come from a middle-class background. If I really needed the money, I have people in my life who would give it to me. But I haven't accepted it. I've done things on my own. And there's a certain level of, yeah, pride that goes with that. And I just want to be able to talk about it. <laughs> As well we should. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I can tell that um, at this moment, I've never been more broke, but I've also never been more happy. And I think that's the story that I hear from most people in the long run. When you come to terms with what you really need, then I think that's where you find true happiness. I, for the last four years, until literally three days ago, had not been paid more in a month than I needed for basic rent and groceries. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a good stretch of not being able to afford my life. 
And it was hard for me to communicate with friends who maybe weren't making as much money as they wanted or living as comfortably as they wanted, but they would use the term need for things that I was like, but you don't need that. Yeah, right. It's a want. It's a want that you're miscategorizing because your financial situation is at a different level. Mm -hmm. That's not to say you're rich and comfortable and great. Everything's fine. It's just like you're on a different level and you don't, you don't need that. Mm -hmm. So to have that stripped away, it's tough and it's hard and it hurts, but it's also really nice to know, oh, you know what? I don't need new clothes. That's a big one. Let's just get right to the very (laughs) best. You're the expert of not buying clothing. Yes, I'm the expert of because, okay, because my background is that I went so far in my younger days. I think this comes back from when I was a kid growing up and I had everything secondhand from older cousins. I'm I'm the oldest and I have no girl siblings, but I have plenty of girl cousins and I would never get new clothes ever. Luckily, I had an older cousin who was fashionable, so I liked getting her <laughs> secondhand things. But it was sort of like when I first got my first job working in a retail retail store and got a retail discount then suddenly I had a closet full of clothes and at one point in my life I had three closets full of clothes all were brand new and my mother was an avid thrifter I mean I learned good thrifting from my mother thank god I still know all of that but I had that rebellious period in my late teens and early 20s where I just became a blatant shopaholic because of my upbringing and I'd have clothes that still had this the tags on them because it was like I just had to have them, but God forbid I actually ever wore them and enjoyed them because I spent so much money on them that I was afraid to wear them. And having a closet full of clothes I was afraid to wear was just like the worst thing. And it it got so bad that I, not only was I a shopaholic, but um, then working in retail, I learned all of the secrets on how to shoplift and I became a shoplifter. And yes, and at my lowest point, I got arrested for shoplifting. I ended up having to do a little bit of jail time and having monstrous fees to pay through lawyers and court fees and all of that which um, I ended up paying off a lot of that because I sold clothes that I had bought and stole which you know you're not supposed to do that but that's what I did um, on eBay and ended up making money back and then when it was like okay this is what I have to do in order to get myself out of this hole okay so this is my early 20s then I've discovered that you don't need this it didn't make me happy it ended up getting me into a lot of trouble but I've still always liked clothes. I don't know what it is. And it's not that I'm a fashionable person. I just have an appreciation for it. So now having moved to Germany with two suitcases, I wish I could say it was only one, but it was two. I'm not that (laughs) much of a minimalist after all. Now when I got here, I discovered that there's ways to get clothes here for free. And thrifting in this country is not so good. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. They have, I mean, they have stores but they're secondhand stores right you're paying 60 euros for something someone else once owned it's not you're not going to find something for 50 cents three euros something like that like you would in an american thrift store or i think in the uk they call them charity shops is that right it's, it's hit or miss here into okay so they have they have their flea markets or flow marked as they call them here and uh, where they'll have a day where Um, it's supposed to be a type of clothing, women's clothing or children's clothing that you can get really good deals at. But this isn't like, say you want to go with your girls thrifting one day, you know, there's not just a store you can go do that at. You have to go to a specific event for this. But Germans are big on giving things away. And so they'll put out boxes in front of their house and they're just to give away boxes. And this is something where I found, yes, an entire wardrobe 10 times over. <laughs> I was going to say, let's, let's be clear here. 
We literally have had get-togethers where Jenny shows up with a suitcase full of stuff she's found on the street, and we shop out of Jenny's street finds. My street finds, yes, and everyone gets a new sweater. It's amazing. (laughs) This is what I love about it, because I have also come around to these boxes, right? So they usually say, zum Peschenken, mm-hmm. or zum Mitnehmen, mm-hmm. um, or... Um, Einfach frei, just Einfach free. Frei, yeah. Sperrmühl. Yeah. And so since you introduced me to this concept, I've started looking around, and I'll pick up stuff here and there. I've gotten a nice little set of teapots, um, one or two pieces of furniture even. But but the way you do it, you create a shopping experience. You have a you have this element of choice because you take like everything, yeah, right? Absolutely. And then you and then you look at this giant array of options and then only keep this or that and then hand the rest on to someone else or you put it back out on the street. And th- I think that's brilliant because that that wins you back that experience aspect of it and the choice. Thing. Well, I I'm always thinking of all of the people I know. Like I don't look at a box and go, "Oh, I can't use any of that." I look at the box and go, "I wonder who I know who can use some of this." Like I've already found so many things on the street that I really don't need any more things. I found literally anything for any room in my apartment. But I always think about all of my friends who can use things. If if things aren't in my size, it could fit somebody else. So it's always fun to have this stuff. And, you know, now I sound like a hoarder. Um, But I'm (laughs) I'm constantly then setting up, uh, you know, events and get togethers. If I know I'm going to be with a group of people that then I can get rid of this stuff, pass it on to them, see who else can use it. And the great thing is, is yes, I can always put it right back out on the street. Yeah. So what I I think is also awesome is, I mean, it's not just shirts and dresses, it's jackets, your hiking boots that you use and wear all of the time. Mm -hmm. You found this one box that this girl was my size and my style, and she just must not have liked these things anymore, but they were all still really good quality. So I have a pair of boots, a pair of shorts that I wore throughout the whole summer, my favorite scarf, my jacket, and another skirt, and one of my favorite sweaters was all in this one box Mm -hmm. from you, Mm -hmm. from some other woman out there. Or a couple of roommates, or who knows. Yeah, Yeah, who knows, mm -hmm. but it's not, uh, yeah, that's what I think is really cool too and sometimes you might think like shoes questionable but you can look at it and be mindful like is it worth it is it not as gross as it not you can tell yeah but you taught me not to rule things off off of the bat and you can sew you can repair things to some extent too yes i mean obviously there are some things that it's always gonna show if there's a hole in the middle of it but if it's just a ripped seam or you know especially if something is in a darker color those don't show up so much if you make a small repair you can make the repairs look like it was part of the garment there's so many things you can do to fix little you know issues that people have gotten rid of something because it has a few holes in it or whatever so it depends on the quality of the fabric, too. You look at that. And I, I'm i a strong believer in that almost everything can be cleaned. Just the other day, it rained, but there happened to be a box out that had a lot of clothes in it. And the clothes are all soaking wet, but it's just from rain. And it's currently drying at my apartment and needs to get ran <laughs> through the wash. But pretty soon, we're going to have some more clothes to go through. So, And I need to, okay, you got to give us some tips because you have specific places that you look for things and specific materials that you know are best in this kind of 
reuse context. So do you want to walk us through some of those? Right. So, okay, in terms of places, it's just any neighborhood area, really. These are not going to be high traffic places in the middle of town. Although one thing I have to say, I have never bought a hanger in Freiburg because I always go through Innenstadt where all the boutiques are. And what they're so good at doing is um, putting out their used hangers on the street. So you can get hangers if you want to hang up your clothes. I haven't had to buy a hanger. So that's a good tip for things to hang your newfound clothes on. <laughs> um, but actual, actually finding these clothes is uh, in, in, I would say, the nicer neighborhoods where you know that property values are a little bit higher um, because these people will buy more things. Usually they have more discretionary income, so they're buying more things, more seasonal things. So they'll be putting out, now that we're going into winter, they'll put out maybe a box of their spring, summer clothing that they know they're not going to wear next year, but it's still all good quality. And that'll just sit out on the corner of the street um, in front of apartment buildings. And uh, also you will find them by, we have these clothing donation bins, which we also have in the States where people go to put the clothes inside of the bin. The thing is, once they're in there, you can't usually get them back out again because it's just for donation for a specific like thrift store. But some people will put the box there out in front to let the public go through it first. And then whatever is left there, then when the people come to pick up the donation box, they pick it all up together. And sidebar, you taught me too that the clothing in those donation box don't go to the normal secondhand stores. They go to special secondhand stores that you're typically only allowed into if you have a government card stating that you're lower income, right? So yeah, and I don't know too much about this, but from my understanding is that there's these um, secondhand stores in Germany that are specifically for people of low income that have been designated this. And on certain days, they can go and shop there with points card or something, which I think is a great thing that then it's available to those people who really need it. Whereas like in America, where we have Goodwill and Salvation Army and whatnot, it's available to everybody. But it has created these people going in and buying all the best stuff and then doing resale, which I think it's fine. That's free. It's open market. It's, you know, but here for the really affordable thrift stores, it's specifically then designated for those in need. Okay. So that was the sidebar. Back to it. Okay. So you find them in front of apartment buildings and best days to shop on the streets? God, anytime. I mean, I've found things anytime really, but I would say it's at the end of a long weekend or when it's been a holiday because most people are at home doing things around the house. Material-wise, what are things to look for in the tags? Okay, so anything that is made out of a natural fiber, like a cotton or wool or silk. Trust me, I know these all sound like these are more higher-end fabrics, but this is stuff you find in Germany all the time because they do still want things manufactured of quality especially when you're in the more wealthier neighborhoods and so i i look for those kind of items because those can be repaired and laundered and and um, kept after and the upkeep on them is is easier and they'll last you longer that's more of like my own personal choice because i like to avoid dressing in a bunch of plastic and you also have collected things that were not your style or size, but they're a good fabric. And then later on, if you find something else, you can sort of Frankenstein them together, which of course involves a little bit of knowledge and skill. But that's also the kind of thing where if you don't have a lot of money, that's a great hobby to have because it's practical and it's a way to fill time. And it's also something that other people do. And so it can be a social thing too. You know, you find other people who know how to sew or know how to do um, shoe repairs and things like that. And then you can can socialize as well as 
learn and well for one i pick up men's clothing all the time even though it's not my boyfriend's style or he'd never wear anything off the street anyway (laughs) um so but i I look at the fabric i can tell by the material if this is something i can use whether it's something i'm gonna sew into a you know adjust it to be a smaller article of clothing for myself or just something i want to use the fabric from to make something out of and a lot of times i yeah you find good fabric within the men's section. I think these are all really good things to know because that part of the way that I've been able to still be stylish or feel good and excited about my clothing is that I have a ton of stuff from you slash the street. I have a ton <laughs> of stuff that are hand-me-downs. Like there's, I find nothing wrong with taking other people's stuff that they don't want anymore. I think there's also some shame about that, but I'm like, this is my ideal scenario <laughs> is someone else's hand-me-downs. Right. And through a mixture of that, you can still find new things. So you're not just feeling like, oh, I'm stuck with the clothing I've had until I have money to buy something nicer and better. It's like, no, it's still, it's still exciting and fresh and new to me. It's just different. And that's a huge way to cut back money. Automatically. I always would go to that. How full are your closets? What do you actually wear? That's where you need to save. Yeah. And well, and and in terms of refreshing your wardrobe, luckily clothing swaps are also not only from what we find on the street, but I've had friends get together and just swap what we've already had instead of putting it out on the street. So there's always a way to cycle everything through and save money. Yeah. And speaking of cycling, this is a transition to talking about bicycles. Yes. How is that? Transportation. (laughs) I bought a bicycle like the first week that I got here ended up being 80 euros. Now I take it to work almost every day. And yeah, the city is so bike friendly and you look at the that that's it the 80 bucks is what I've put into it I haven't had to buy anything for it and what I would spend on a monthly pass for the train would be around 50 to 60 euros and I've spent 80 on a bike for two years using my own gas power it sucks in the winter but you just have to wear thick gloves (laughs) there's no bad weather (laughs) right there's still bad weather just bad clothing (laughs) another thing okay I feel like an episode can't go by without me mentioning libraries being the best thing in the world of course but they are they're the best thing in the world and especially when you don't have money get a library card even in germany where you have to pay for it it's 10 to 15 euros per year typically that's an investment worth making a lot of libraries have cds and movies and games even Mm -hmm. you know we had a game night once and i brought a game from the library did it have all the pieces no did we make it work yes it wasn't a problem that would have been 20 euros or something if I decided to buy that game. So 40 sh- even. They're, yeah, they're even can, more. Yeah. So that's a huge way to save money. And, and that can get you through many, many months, especially in the winter when you can't go outside as much. Because that's another thing I wanted to mention is just finding free things to do, like hiking or just spending time in a park. And, you know, Europe and Germany both have so many options. The way the cities are set up, that all of the cities and villages are in the central point and then around you is nature. That's wonderful. That means that you have a very easy access to the outdoors. Take advantage of it because it's so much fun. It's so fulfilling. People do things outdoors all through the year. And typically it's either free or cheap. 
So in the summer, most of the lakes around here can become the swimming hole. Um, I have gone to uh, like a swimming pool that for the whole day might cost you two or three euros, but it's very affordable. Um, and then during the winter time to be able to go up to the snow and like bring your own sled and just slide down a hill is free. And if you want, we did cross country skiing last year and for the day rental was like 12 euros. And I think a lot of times when you're meeting up with friends the you go to is oh we're gonna go get dinner or go get drinks but if the weather is good enough then you can say let's just go hang out in one of the the plots the the squares in town or hang out by the river or wherever so that's another big one like we talked about when we met up even the first time we were just walking around Freiburg and that's something that I've really continued doing when I'm meeting up with friends or I'll go I'll say okay fine let's go to a cafe but I get one drink and the thing that's great about cafe culture is they really, you know, the the waiters and waitresses are paid a decent enough wage that they're not trying to turn tables so that they can make a tip. Mm -hmm. They are comfortable with you sitting there. And obviously I don't think you should abuse that to some crazy degree, but you can sit somewhere for two hours and pay whatever for one coffee or one beer. Right. And that's okay. If, If that's, you know, if that's where you're at right now, that's one way that you can meet somewhere that's also indoors, um, or if, you know, it's a stranger, you don't know if, if you're going to click, you know, you want something, some sort of activity to sort of protect that social awkwardness, right. go and get one drink. Well, and like these, a lot of these cafes or like beer gardens are so huge anyway. So yeah, you, you're not taking up space if you're just sitting at a table for a couple hours. It's insane how big some of the restaurants are here. They're made for people to just sit there. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and yes, it was because I work in the restaurant business, but I actually work in a small restaurant but it was so fascinating to me when I started here. It was like, oh, there is no drive to turn tables. If somebody makes a reservation at 6 p.m., those customers could potentially be there until the restaurant closes. Yeah, and I've also found that for me, a lot of eating out, I mean, I do like nice food and nice drinks, but do I need that? I don't. What I'm wanting out of a eating out at a restaurant experience is a good atmosphere and good company and have good, having good conversations in a new setting. Mm-hmm. So... Get the cheapest thing on the menu. There's always a cheap option here. I would say ordering anything off of the, what they say, the Vorspeise, appetizer, soup, salads, you know, you can't go wrong with it. And you're not going to get a weird look like, oh, they're not having a big meal. It's, it's on the menu, so. <laughs> yeah. And you were saying you've actually made that like a little quest to test your theory about appetizers. My theory about appetizers <laughs> is that that's where the chefs take the most risk or have sometimes the most interesting things on their menus, sometimes with the most interesting ingredients or flavor combinations. So I'm all about it. That tends to be, for me, some of the favorite dishes or like when I've gone out and I am spoiling myself and we're going, we're going to have an appetizer and a main and a dessert and the appetizer was always my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so. so don't feel bad about being stingy there. You're an there appetizer for... and dessert. That yeah. is usually good enough. And on the topic of food. Yes. Aldi and Lidl. <laughs> my two loves. The loves of my life. <laughs> when I left San Francisco, I, I brought a shameful amount of Trader Joe's products and (laughs) um yeah Americans will sympathize with me on this one if just like I I kind of was like I could never live in a town that didn't have a Trader Joe's them and I came to Germany and it was like oh there is not going to be that but it's almost better in fact I think it is better it's cheaper uh Aldi and Lidl these are like Trader Joe's stores where it's all pretty much their own brand 
and they don't have like a million different kinds of product when you're there for like tomato sauce or something there's just the one that is their brand but everything is a cheap affordable price high quality the wine selection is good that's where it's not their own brand that's where it is wineries from around we were at a friendsgiving the other night and i brought a couple bottles of wine and i was like okay i should bring something nice and I looked at the selection and I was like, honestly, my favorite one is the two-year-old one. It's this Frizzante Italian wine. It's a red wine that actually fizzes itself. I don't know. It's so, I don't know what it is, but it's amazing. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, doesn't matter how much money in the world you give me. I still want their cheap want wine. That. It's really good. Yeah, we know what we like. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm spoiled by, see, okay. So Nicole is a Lidl fan and this, this is because she lives right next to a Lidl. I'm an Aldi fan and I probably would be a Lidl fan, but I live next to an Aldi. That's I'll my closest one. Aldi was my first true love yes. because they have the bread vending machines. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. You can get a little personal pizza by hitting a button on a machine and it costs you 79 cents or something. And I think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. I do love the, yeah. the bread automat at Aldi. And for me, it, the chocolate selection. Mm. So Aldi does, both of them actually do seasonal things um, where they have Christmas time right now, chocolates, they do the Easter time. Um, and I always end up finding some sort of sweet chocolate nut combination that is just for the holiday and they'll sell it only for like a month or two leading up to that holiday and these things for like 200 grams it only costs a euro 50 (laughs) so and this is high quality stuff and i think too it's important to point out if you haven't tried an aldi or a little just try it because i know when i told my mom i love aldi she Mm -hmm. was like what they have one here but we went once and the milk that we bought was already molding and I, I mean, that's terrible. And I think that that was a couple of years back. At the beginning of Aldi expanding to the US, they didn't quite have everything together. And Quality there were, control. Yeah, even though I shopped at an Aldi in Chicago all the time, and it was still like you had to eat the produce pretty quickly because it was questionable. Um, here, they've been around much longer and it's more under control and it's great quality like we've been saying so that idea in your mind of it being because it's cheaper it's bad it's not because it's paradise awaits yes it is though (laughs) i mean you literally can pay a third of the price if not less yes to what exactly the same thing you're buying and again specialty ingredients you can't get we like to have baked beans with breakfast on the weekend we have to go to Ada cup for that but my everyday weekly shopping is there and it's cheap and it's been a, it's been a game changer. I mean, that's why I obsessively talk about the cost of living here. We're so lucky in Germany. A lot of this is subsidized or I don't know all the ins and outs of in terms of their tax system because we we're taxed heavily, heavily here. But this has helped subsidize and keep the cost of food produce anything at, at a unbelievably low level right so for a little context i i was poor before i came to germany and poor afterwards right but when i was living in chicago in grad school like i said i was paying my way through so i didn't really have any money to play with and my monthly costs in chicago was like thousand us dollars here in germany 500 to 550 euros which even if you convert to us dollars is still several hundred cheaper Mm -hmm. and that's through really doubling down on these methods and then taking advantage of the different infrastructures and options that do exist that are cheap or free Mm -hmm. sometimes i look back or i think about other people who feel like they're struggling with money or something and but i know how much they make and i'm like well you're buying coffee out every day or you're buying lunch out every day Mm -hmm. that's 
that's a luxury, you know, and there are so many little ways like this that you can cut back if you need to. Again, like if you're, if you're fine, then you're fine. Like this is not a a judgment thing. This is just, this is how you can really, for us that we've learned how we can cut back. Right. Well, this, this is just to also, I want people to be comfortable talking about this. We shouldn't be ashamed to talk about how much money we make. I don't want to judge people because they make more or less. I guess more it's interesting to see how they live within what their means are. And also, I don't want people to be scared about moving to a new place and thinking they need some ridiculous sum of money to do it because of that I was that person. I had saved up thousands of dollars before I took the plunge to really change my life and move and had I known that I could have done it with less I would have done it sooner I would have probably been happier sooner but instead I continued to work and work and save and save and save and then it made it a little bit more comfortable but in the long run it was like not by much you know uh once you learn the language just well enough that you can work at a restaurant or a cafe or even a bakery then you can get a minimum wage job here and I worked minimum wage for a year and I'm not rich by means but you feel oh wow I'm comfortable yeah and it's like okay making eight euros an hour our minimum wage in Freiburg is 884 before taxes and next year it goes up to nine I believe still point is you only see about six bucks from that netto as they say or net and when you go to the grocery store you can get fill up a bag of groceries for you know sometimes less than 20 euros and actually your life becomes more affordable and also here the things that are cheapest are produce and the ingredients to cook with often yeah oh snacks are expensive i made the most other than the chocolate (laughs) i made a really really good pumpkin soup or kerbis soup as they say here the other day and for all the ingredients was less than five bucks and we ate that for like three days one last thing that i wanted to mention is travel okay so you're living somewhere abroad you're excited you want to see the whole world around you yeah take the bus if you can if there's a bus bus. any travel that is going to take more time will be less money and for me who didn't have money, I was happier to give up time. I'm happy to fly on a budget airline and shove some t-shirts in a backpack and make that work. (laughs) And what you and I have also done, even just in Freiburg in the area, our regional train card that's technically like a subway card, it does let you travel a little bit outside of the city. And so we've been able to go on these fun little adventures up to the Schwarzwald where we travel for free. Well, right. we are already paying for it through our normal commute tickets. Right. But it's a day trip. Like we could be traveling for a good hour outside of the city up into the middle of nature and then take a nice hike and go get some coffee and kuchen or something. And you have a whole day or even make a weekend out of it. And that's all inclusive on that subway ticket. Yeah. yeah. Or even I just went to Switzerland for the first time. We drove most of the way down there on the train for free, had to pay a little bit of the difference. Mm-hmm. We brought sandwiches and lunches with us. And when we were there, we went to free museums. So even though Switzerland's the most expensive ever, <laughs> there are ways to work around it, you know, and that's specific to our location, right? In the corner that we're close enough to the border that we can do that. But just brainstorm things like that. You know, you're not stuck just because you can't spend money. There are ways to do it. You just have to get a little bit more creative or make some sacrifices. With that, we will round the corner, head to home. Ending segment is called Zack, Zack, Zack. I'm going to ask you three questions. You're going to answer them without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Mm-hmm. You're ready. I'm ready. All right. We have talked about how groceries tend to be cheaper in Germany than in the U.S. However, some things are more expensive in Germany than they are in the U.S. 
What is one such item that is more expensive here that makes you really, really mad? Oh, God. Uh, Mine's soy sauce. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, Beef. I have to say beef. Anything with what they say, ringed flesh. Beef bugs me. Okay, I know the quality is good, but yeah, and this is going to anger vegans out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm sorry, I'm a meat eater. Yeah, beef Mm. bugs me. What is your go-to cheap treat yourself item? Chocolate. (laughs) And what is your favorite coin or bill in the euro currency? The two. The two euro coin. I like it because it kind of reminds me of the quarter, which is my favorite US coin. But it's a lot thicker than the quarter and it's really heavy. And when you have a lot of them, they really do weigh down your wallet. It's just so but they hard add to have so much money. <laughs> My mind is so heavy. <laughs> Thank you for coming and sharing all of your expertise and wisdom on how to live on the cheap. You're welcome. We'll see you soon on your blog. On your vlog. Uh-huh. Yes, right? I promise. Say it right now. Ich verspreche dich. Good. It's on, it's on record now. It's on record. It's gonna happen. <laughs> Thanks again to Jenny for coming on the podcast and for giving us all of her amazing tips on trash picking (laughs) and living on the cheap. Uh, Like I said at the beginning of the show, if you think she needs to start an Instagram page where she shares all of her tips and all of her finds, definitely let us know because I really want that to exist. And she's on the verge of doing this. She's had it in her head for a while. We just need to tip her right on over. Thank you, as always, to my partner in life and in podcasting, Gordon Eisenach, and to Amy Lungy Art for the logo. Thank you to Sidehug for the theme music. You can find them on Instagram at a hug from the side. And while you're there, find us on Instagram, too, at the ExpatCast. We're also on Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest at the ExpatCast. And the email address for the show is theexpatcast at gmail.com. So send us your broke expat life stories. And if you want to come on the show, please, with this or any other topic, just reach out. We're going to release one more episode this year, and that'll be with one of my favorite American and Germany YouTubers. But I'm not going to tell you who. You're going to have to wait and see. (laughs) Have a great week until then.